fast, efficient and affordable business grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, behind the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices, every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Welcome to episode 758 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Says you. You're going to deny everything. Denial? That's a river as far as I'm concerned. Ah. You know, to me, I don't hold a grudge. A grudge is just somewhere to park your car. A grudge is a place to park your car. <laughs> how you For been? For some reason, out of all that, the only thing I get is a uh, hammer and paste kit. I don't know why. It's got nothing to do with that. But anyway. No, it's a 12th man. <laughs> Because <laughs> they, they do something similar as well. Yeah, yeah. The two bouncers. Yeah, Ron and Ron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, not too bad. It's been... Uh... You know what, Ron? I don't like conflicts. Yeah, I don't like them either. Cool. I don't like any breakfast cereals. That's, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, yeah, it hasn't been too bad. It's been... Um... <coughs> Other than that, yeah. just random coughing for no apparent reason. Yeah. Um, probably choking on the water that'll do it see yep. water's dangerous water's unhealthy for you fish swimming um, yep. I didn't choke on the beers at all as soon as I started drinking water yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I do want to mention at the start of the show too um, thanks for the people who have sent in well wishes for Glenn and uh, he needs them keep him coming guys it, 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 it does help um, yeah he's not not uh, doing super well at the moment so if you guys want to shoot him an email or a tweet or a Facebook just, or, or just shoot YouTube, him, or, well, that's, <laughs> that's plan B. We're, we're not quite there yet, but we're working on it. But um, yeah, no, it, it uh, helps me out, guys. Just like you now you're thinking of him and wish him well. And um, of course, we're thinking of Kim and the, the rest of the family at the moment, who's uh, doing all the, the hard yards at the moment. So yep. Um, so yeah, sort of get that out of the way before I forget, because I always forget. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to bring it up anyway. Okay, we can bring it up later. Yeah, we'll make it feel better. Thanks for the donation. We've been um, organised. We got a uh, we sponsor a speedway car, 
and uh, the Speedway committee's decided they want to put a show on. And we've got a big car park out in front of our shop, so they've decided they're going to put a, a show on there. So on Saturday, there's going to be all sorts of Speedway cars and drivers and teams and merchandise and and all sorts of stuff happening there. And there's a guy who does a barbecue. Um, he does like pulled pork burgers and like oh, nice. all sorts of wicked stuff. So he's going to be there for food. And they're going to have, yeah, face painting. There might be a face painter if they turn up. <laughs> I did that once for a charity thing. Yeah. And uh, Someone's so, like, can you, can you paint me to look like Pikachu? And I'm like, my daughter loves pokemon but do you think i could think of how to paint somebody to look like a pikachu <laughs> so i was just like oh well there you go some yellow here and there red cheeks and a black Double nose red, good yeah. enough i forget a red a red bolt, lightning bolt yeah but uh so yeah so that's happening and so i'm getting trying to get the store cleaned up and organized not that it's actually specifically for the store i just happen to be the only store in the complex is going to be open when the show's on so <laughs> <laughs> lucky you <laughs> so yeah they'll be um you know they'll, they'll let kids sit in the speedway cars and take photos of them and stuff so if you are in the ipswich area and you've got nothing to do tomorrow from like i think it's from nine to one or some such um you can look up on my face on uh battery central which uh facebook page will be on there but yeah come down and have a bit of fun so nice. that's uh saturday yeah yep. so yeah so i've been getting ready for that and of course it's been actually this week's been semi-reasonable it's the hottest day we've had this week to today and it was only yeah it's still 31 in my computer room so ah, we made it but, up to about 33 outside the rest of the week's been fairly decent actually and the nights have been good sleeping weather that's been down to like you know 18 19 degrees so it's nice uh, for sleeping and uh, it hasn't been getting super hot during the day this week, which is a, a, a nice change. Especially with uh, the last big week, shed uh, warehouse thing. Well, last week, uh, I was I stopped looking when it hit like 35. Yep. And it was getting to the point where like you'd move three steps and you'd just be drenched in sweat. Uh, and by lunchtime, you're feeling sick because you've been sweating all day. And uh, <laughs> so that wasn't fun. No. We should probably thank all the sponsors. That also helps out with Glenn and that, uh, since he's <clears throat> not being able to work at the moment anyway. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, thankfully, at least uh, on Blue Ocean, um, you can go to Blue Ocean Web Hosting if you if you want to find out about that side of it. But um, he does, thankfully, have another guy who can kind of fill in a bit, so yeah. not entirely left out stranded there. But um, if you're a Patreon and you're a, one of the higher tiers, um, you also do get web hosting for free as part of your package, so uh, that's that's one, one way of doing it. Or you can just, of course, donate any random amount that you choose. Coffee, um, PayPal, yeah. PayPal, Bitcoin, uh, cash. Cash is always good. <laughs> um, In um, non-serial, unmarked bills, preferably non-sequential. Non yeah. Non-sequential, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, uh, in a sack that's got a dollar sign on it yeah or a brief or a, <laughs> a, like a 1980s briefcase yeah, yeah what's the combination <laughs> zero zero one, zero zero one no one, one two, two three, three four <laughs> that's the same combination on my luggage that's it uh, <laughs> 10 points to whoever knows who that's from yeah well you can see what i bought this week a nice 
scissor stand for my mic so I can use my proper Rode microphone now. And I've got a windbreak on it as well. Started doing a bit more um, auditions for <coughs> voiceover stuff. I did some um, Cybermen voices and a bunch of characters from uh, Overwatch. So we'll see how that goes. It was a lot of fun. I particularly like doing the um, Aussie guy. <laughs> it's, just, or it's an Australian guy. And, the uh, problem he, is when you do an Australian accent is you've got to force an Australian accent because the real Australian accent just doesn't cut it. No. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I listened to his videos, to his character <clears throat> online, and then I just copied that and used it. But, um, yeah, he likes blowing stuff up. So it was a lot of fun. And he's like, what did he do, really? I wasn't thinking of blowing stuff up. Well, maybe a little bit. Okay, all right. What's wrong with that anyway? <laughs> yeah. That wasn't the voice, by the way. <laughs> I'm not going to do that here. Uh, that's not that far off. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but, yeah, um, kind of like it. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I, I'm I've always been fascinated by voice actors. Like, there's a couple of guys I watch on YouTube, and their ability just to. Uh, and one of them got to be a in a movie. Yeah, he's actually done a couple now. He's, ah. But he's he originally uh, Hotel Transylvania was Adam Sandler was Dracula. Yep. And due to mostly <laughs> network conflicts because they kind of pull the network out from under him and change networks. Uh. Um, but he couldn't do the voice anymore, and and they'd seen um, they'd seen Brian Hull on YouTube impersonating him for some of his skits that he does. Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, do you want to do it for real?" <laughs> He's like, "Gee, let me think." Um, okay. <laughs> after, after they got some smelling salts out and brought him back around again, his dream he's came also true. he's also the only person in the world. According to Disney, anyway, who has had Mickey Mouse um, actually come to his house to wish him happy birthday? Oh wow! Like a legit Disney Mickey Mouse. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. <laughs> and then while they were there, they ended up filming some skits and stuff. <laughs> he didn't know. He just he, all I said is, "Oh, we're going to send you a surprise for your birthday." He's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mouse and the film crew rock up on the door. And, Hello, Brian. I'm Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so yeah, he, he's all right. But there's a few guys who do it, and what what I always find fascinating—I mean, I can hardly even emulate my own voice most days—but <laughs> what I find fascinating is the good the good ones like Brian and, and a couple of other guys I watch. They can hear ten seconds of somebody, anybody speaking, and the next words that come out of their mouth are exactly emulation yep. of what they've just heard. Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, it takes longer to get nuances and to get the correct tone and the correct speech pattern. But, like, the the fact that you could be a passable, you know, a, a passable copy of somebody's voice after just hearing them speak for a couple of seconds, That's it's nuts. quite amazing, really. Do you know if he had any vocal training at all? He was um, trained as a classical opera singer. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So he knows how to do the diaphragm and all of that. Yeah, so. and he talks about that a lot, actually, in some of his live streams. He talks about how he supports, you've got to support with your diaphragm, and he has a lot of trouble doing some voices. He's got to be standing up. He can't be sitting down because it holds his body in the wrong spot. And yep. he's always carrying on about if you're doing a voice and it hurts, you're doing the voice wrong. Yep. You've got to find another way to do the voice because it shouldn't be hurting because it doesn't hurt the person who does it. So clearly it can be done without yep. it hurting. 
Uh, unless you're, um, what's his name, who does um, Shaggy in the... <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Lillard. Sat in the car for half an hour and screamed until he could hardly talk. <laughs> <laughs> Destroyed his voice forever. It was Not a the recommended way of doing it. <laughs> there was a voiceover guy I used to follow on Twitter and um, he got a job uh, doing the English dub of an anime. All right. But the character's voice that he chose to do himself was really raspy voice in the back of the throat. Yeah. And he's like, don't ever do that because if you have to do that for two hours straight <laughs> with hundreds of takes... You need to take a couple of days off before you can do it again because he said I shouldn't have I should have known better to not try and strain my voice. It yeah. sounded like the character and it was good and everybody loved it, but it's just murder on your throat. Yeah. You you know the uh the Bush Tucker man? Yeah. Imagine <laughs> you know, his voice. <laughs> a couple of dozen packs of cigarettes for a few months and then give it a go. You just do Alan Seal. <laughs> Like they did on the Naked Vicar show. Cyril Wyndham and Cecil Simpson. Uh, saying, sit back, settle down, set aside your secateurs and enjoy getting rooted. <laughs> it's um, it's funny, actually. Um, I'm a big fan of Home Free, which is an acapella group. And their percussionist, vocal percussionist, is like, the stuff he can do with his voice is absolutely beyond amazing. <clears throat> makes like people like Michael Winslow it makes them look like amateurs like yep. you know but um they also have um one of their one of their baritones can do emulate the sound you know the um the mouth harp the mouth harp I think it's called yeah that yeah yeah twangy thing that, yep. yeah well he can do that with his voice alright <laughs> um and then one of the other guys no, Who's that one you were telling me about who's won all the beatboxing <clears throat> stuff? That's Adam, yeah. Oh, Adam's right, here. him. Yeah. Um, but Tim, who's their main bass, um, he can do subharmonics, which is su singing, like, he's already down at, like, an E or something. <laughs> he's got a six-octave six vocal range. Yeah. Um, and it's like, but he's already down at a low note, and then he can do a subharmonic, which is... You sing one note and then your vocal cords drop an octave and do the note below it. But then he can add like a vibrato oh. effect to it as well. Yeah. So it gets like this. It's really hard to explain. It's almost like a. Um, I guess for want of a better word, it sounds like a frog croak. Oh, all right. Yeah. But it's like obviously pitch perfect. But like just the, the vocal abilities, you know, it's just amazing, amazing what they can do. And um, they like Adam, who's the drummer. He can emulate everything from a harmonica to a guitar to a drum kit to violin to trumpet and trombone. Like he can yes. emulate everything in a band <laughs> <laughs> with his mouth. Like it's all done vocally. It's it's absolutely amazing. And you know, mix them up different instruments in the same thing. And you can yeah, you can get multiple instruments at the same time somehow. <laughs> now you can't play multiple instruments at the same time but he can sound like multiple instruments yeah <laughs> now, I've always just found that like years ago I was fascinated with beatboxing and okay beatboxing is cool but most beatboxers really are mm, basic drums at best yeah. and kind of like a scratch pad 
and that's kind of all they do. It's an oversimplification, but effectively that's all they, they do. Yeah. And then I discovered like Michael Winslow, some of the sound effects. I mean, he did a two-hour video on emulating typewriters. Yeah, I saw you showed me that one. That was crazy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all the different models, makes, yeah. and from like the first typewriter and onwards, he's done like a hundred different typewriters. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a fantastic vocal technician. Yeah. But then he put somebody like Adam, and he just blows him out of the water. Like his ability to do stuff is just phenomenal. Man, yeah. cool. You know, you like he didn't compete a couple of years ago at the World Beatboxing Championships because he was touring. And he was voted by his peers as the world's best beatboxer. And he wasn't even there. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So. It's good to have friends like that. So, you know, like, he blew them out of the water and he wasn't even participating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Shall we do some noose? Uh, Let's try something different. NBN Co. is hoping to use a proposed new pricing model to test how much more it can acceptably charge users for 100 megabits per second service. The company is proposing to introduce flat rate wholesale prices on its 100 meg tiers and above. That would mean it does away with the unpopular connectivity virtual circuit CVC bandwidth charge on these tiers, but in doing so removes a variable cost that can be brought in that brought in additional revenue. To compensate for the loss of revenue, MBN Co. has proposed to increase the cost of flat price plans once a year using a new construct of CPI plus 3%. With CPI at current levels, that could mean a 6.5% a year price rise, which at least one retailer believes is not going to fly and could result in repercussions at a government level. MBN Co. sought to clarify the CPI plus 3% concept at Senate estimates, but in doing so revealed that it intends to use the mechanism to see just how much more users will pay for a broadband service. What we'll do is test the market, CEO Stephen Rue said. It's available to us on a use it or lose it basis, if you like, so the extent that it's not there and the retailers are not able to sell services based on their wholesale price, we would adjust the prices. It really enables us to test what is actually the propensity to pay. Labor Senator Louis Pratt sought immediate clarification how much Australians are prepared to pay for these services. He said, that senator is what we will see. So we're just going to keep jacking up the prices until people stop paying it. And then we we'll go, well, I guess that's the limit. So we'll set it there. Unfortunately, it's it's the mentality of most businesses. It's the consumer pays. Yep. Um, or how much the market will bear yep. is the terminology for it. Basically, you... You know the market price. Let's say you know the market price is a hundred bucks, but supply is a little bit short, and there's not a lot of competition. So you squeeze it up 120, 130, 140. Then you eventually find the threshold. Let's say it's 150 bucks. You 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 turn over slows down. Be like, okay, it slowed down a little bit, but I'm still making more money than I would be if it was 140 bucks. So you bump it up to 160, and it slows down a little bit more, and then. At 175, you go, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm breaking even at where it would be at 140. I can't make any more, but I can still charge more and get the same amount of profit and revenue out of it. So you charge 175. Yep. But then eventually competition comes in or market situations change or the, the, COVID the, apparent, hits. the apparent value dips away. And the, the irony is what they'll do is they'll go down to their $140, which is where their peak was last time. But because they've dropped $35 off the price, everybody goes back for it and they're making more money. 
So even though they've actually haven't lost any money, they've been making this. They've been making more money with the same turnover, yep. or with the same customer base. They drop it back down to 140. More people sign up, so they actually make more money, even though they're charging less. But they're still charging more than the hundred dollars the product's worth. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's rife across the across the industry, all industries in general. Like, um, especially industries where there's no competition or very little competition. The NBN is a classic example of that. Okay, you don't want to use the NBN because they cost too much. But what are your options? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what are you gonna do? You don't don't use internet. Like Aussie, well, Aussie broadband TPG rolling out their own stuff, aren't they? Yeah, but I mean, it's still not everywhere. Not, no, I mean it's dark fiber that's and and they are rolling out fresh fiber in in certain areas. But I mean, if you have that option, great. But that's yeah. only a handful of percentage of. Bring them up. Hello, fiber. can I have the non NBN NBN? Yeah, <laughs> can you just run some optic fiber at the front of my house, and I'll just go with you guys? Yeah, that'll be a hundred grand. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um... and, so, and this is the thing. And, and it's like, okay, well, and this is where technically the consumer watchdogs just step in and go, well, no, hang on. Your service comparable price is this much. You can't charge more than that. Yeah. You know, because of these reasons, you know, like any competitive and blah, 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 blah. You know, so it's just because the market will bear a price doesn't mean it should bear a price. A lot of the time we call it the Australian tax. Like, you know, Adobe was a classic example I was of just that. Gonna say. <laughs> yeah, where you're not physically receiving a product, but you're paying three times more than anybody else in the world because why not? Yeah. Do you want the product or not? Yeah. You know, um, and it, it, that's literally what it comes down to. And it's they're effectively like a monopoly anyway. Not really. I mean, there's not there's free programs that do everything. There are, yeah, but Adobe businesses does. are always and go so many Adobe. of them are stepping away from uh, Adobe. Has lost like. 40% of its customer base in the last 12 months. Because people are realizing there's free alternatives that actually work better. They're cheaper or free in some cases and they're a better product. Yeah. You know, so it has come back to bite them in the ass. Well, what about me with getting a hit film and I hit paid film. them? Exactly. Yeah. Because the one I was with wanted like $400 for the next version. Yeah. Like, how about I give hit film 50 bucks? Yeah. And Office 365. Yep. Who. Who does that? You just use OpenOffice or LibreOffice. Yeah. Most people Google actually, Docs. for the for the most part now, a lot of people are switching to Libre. Yeah, Google Docs is fine for like 90% of the things you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> but you need an OpenOffice or a LibreOffice just for a few little things that don't work yeah. in Google Docs. And then you've got like Foxit for your reader. Yeah. You're a little bit restricted with editors. They all charge a bit for editors, but some companies charge less than others. Um, you know, so Shop there are always right. options, but something like the NBN where you literally have one NBN co yeah. and they decide who they allow to buy directly from them. You that's know. their wholesale price. So people have to put something on top of it. Otherwise you can't run your business. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the thing is if they, so there's two tiers here, there's what we will pay and then there's what the wholesalers will pay. Oh, I guess the retailers will pay to NBN, who's the wholesaler. Yeah. But the thing is, like, there's obviously a profit margins in there for everybody. So if we're earning it, the most we'll pay is a hundred dollars. Yeah. Then the most the retailer is going to pay is going to be, you know, most thirty percent generally is or a GP you try to shoot for. So they're going to pay like seventy bucks. Yeah. And NBN still wants their thirty percent, so it means you know they they have to sell it for like forty bucks. 
Which isn't really an issue because that's a clear profit because they don't. Yeah. <laughs> they have the expenses because they've finished. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it's it's actually harder in that situation because you've got a two tier system there, even though you. Yeah, it's ultimately still a monopoly because at the end of the day, they're still feeding off NDN. Yeah, it's up to the retailer now how much profit they want to make, or indeed if they want to make any profit. Yeah, but the thing is, they have to make profit to some degree, otherwise they won't be there. So it doesn't matter how cheap their internet is if they're not going to be around in three months' time. It doesn't matter. That's right. (laughs) You know, but then you got people like Telstra who just charge stupid amounts of money, or Foxtel's another one. You bundle your package with Foxtel. And you get internet and TV, and you end up paying, you know, twenty, thirty dollars per month more than going, you know, with a different provider. And then there's obviously cheaper ones like Aussie Broadband. Then there's real cheap ones like Dodo and that that you just don't want to know about because <laughs> <clears throat> they're really cheap for a reason. Cheap you know, and nasty. They've got overseas support. They've got or well, lack of support. They've got. Um, you know, bad speeds, all this sort of stuff, because they're overselling their network, so they can do, they can be a bit cheaper because they're overselling what they're supplying. In the but if it's that, just grandma <clears throat> who checks her email on Facebook once exactly. a day, or they're selling to um, a lot of people who are not big families, like you look at a lot of their customer base, and they they have smaller data caps, but it's usually for a smaller family of only one or two people. They're working during the day. They're only home on the internet for a couple of hours of a night. They don't use it all the time. So that's kind of what they're hoping is that they can oversell the network and not take a huge performance hit because the people they're aiming at don't use that much of their products. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so then you get, so it, it's a balancing act between it being so overpriced it's no longer obtainable and being so underpriced that it's no longer sustainable. So. Uh, and it's harder in the middle you know we're we're the same thing at work we've just got over the last three or four days we've got letters from all our suppliers saying come and start next month they're putting their prices up 12 percent yep just before christmas they put their prices up 12 percent great that's a 24 percent wholesale price rise in two months yeah we can't put our prices up 25 plus percent no we just won't sell anything so we need to now We've just basically have to take a hit. We put it up the first 12%. We can't really put it up again. We effectively have to take a hit of 12% off the top of our GP, which means we now need to sell 20% more product yep. to make the same end of day GP that we were making before. Yep. The market's not there to sell 20% more product. So we're actually going to be losing 20% on top of whatever we were making because we can't make that difference up. Yeah, if we put our price up, we sell even less. Yeah, so it's even worse. And so it makes it makes the problem worse. If we leave our prices where we are, we need to sell more. But when you, you you're stuck you between you a rock just, and a hard place, you can't just magically sell more products. You need no. the customers, and there's only so many customers every day that you get. What do you do? So, so yeah, you know. It's um and yet but the the dumb part is we're a small independent business and people are always going hey can you do a better price or no, I can't do a better price that's like my the price I do is the price I do yeah I'm still a hundred dollars cheaper than our competition down the road but people don't go in there and ask for discounts because they know they're not going to get one anyway and they'll pay an extra hundred dollars for the same product and then they come to us 
with no product to pay $100 less already and then want to just go on top of that. And it's yeah. like, no. <laughs> if you're going to buy two, three, four, five products, yes, I'll give you a discount. I'm not giving you a discount for one product, especially when it's like a $30 battery in the first place. How much money do you think I'm making on a $30 battery? Yeah. You know, I'll get, we I'll, don't barter. On a $30 battery, I make $3. <laughs> I can't give you 10% off. No. Because then I'll actually lose money by the time I take GST out of it. So it's like, you know, it's not that I don't want to do a better price. Yeah, I'm not physically able to do a better price unless, you know, if you buy bulk off me, then yeah, I can probably work something out. Would you like me to shut the company down? Sure, it's, take a discount now. Yeah, exactly. You now know. you can go to that guy who'll charge you $100 more because there's it, nobody else. It does kind of annoy me. And this has been something I've, I mean, I've been in retail most of my life on and off. And it's one thing I've known. I've worked for big retailers, I've worked for small companies, I've worked obviously I've owned, owned my own, you know, everything in between. And when I was working at Woolworths and Coles and um, Myers and a lot of these big places, nobody, and Harvey Norman is another one, nobody ever goes to the front counter and goes, oh, can you do a better price? No. <laughs> you just don't. But people walk into a little small, <clears throat> you know, mum and dad business. And they go, oh, that's that. I can get that cheaper down the road. Can you do it better? And it's like, well, get no, because if I could do it better, I would have done it better. Like that, you know. There's only so much I can mark a product down and still make money on it. Yeah. You know, if you can find it cheaper somewhere else, well, if you're not going to buy it from me, go somewhere else and buy it. You know, I have employees <laughs> to pay and electricity bills and rates. Like, and... and the thing is, when they say I can get it cheaper somewhere else, what they mean is they can get it cheaper online, because that person doesn't have to stock the product. They've actually, they're ordering the product directly from the supplier and they're getting a drop ship to the customer. They don't have to handle the product. They don't have to store it. They don't have to warehouse it. They don't have to buy it in advance and have it sitting on the shelf until they sell it. You don't have to have random people coming in asking questions and then going away and taking your time. And answering phones and taking phone calls and emails. And that's literally just, oh, you want to buy it? Okay, fine. I'll sell it to you. I'll order it from them and they'll send it to you and I haven't got to do anything. Yeah. So they... they they can make three or four percent on a product and still make money on it, but when you've actually physically got a stock and warehouse a product, you can't do that. You, you've got so many more overheads. Even you know, like let's say I've got a, let's say I've got a hundred batteries sitting on the shelf. I've got to divide my monthly running costs between those hundred batteries. My rent, my power, my internet, my phone, um, you know, fuel usage and. Uh, maintenance and tools and um, freight and all that's going to be divided between those 100 batteries. Insurance. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I've got to make my money on those 100 batteries every month and split the difference up between all those, you know. (laughs) And it's not like... And if I get a... You know, obviously we do have some trade customers, some bigger trade customers who buy a lot of product from us. So we we do do discounts for that. But that makes it harder because now I've only got 95 products on the shelf and I've made almost nothing selling those five products to that wholesaler yep. or that trade customer. So now suddenly I've got to make all that money up in those 95 products I've got. <laughs> Plus, I've also got to make enough money that when I sell a product, not only have I covered all those running costs, I've also got to buy that product in, in again to restock the shelves. Yeah. So you've got to... like. <laughs> People don't think of all this stuff behind the scenes. It's just, no, and, I want it cheaper. You, and it's, it's not, not, not anyone's fault. I mean, you're not trained to think that way. Mm. 
you just you just assume you, you know that everyone's out to rip you off and trying to make money from you. And that's I mean that's everybody thinks that unless you run a business or you manage a business, you don't think that way. You're just not programmed to think that way. Yeah. No, and it, it's it's fine. Like I, I get it. I used to think the same way. Like it's it's not a, a personal attack on anybody by any means. It's just something you become acutely aware of when you're in the situation that. You're trying to make money, and then you really you suddenly realise that you can't because you know you've only got 80 products on the shelf this month, not 100. Yeah, <laughs> and you can't make enough GP on those products to so the once it starts going backwards, it, it very quickly goes backwards because you can't buy that product back in again because you haven't made enough money on the sale of the products to buy them back in. Yeah, <clears throat> so it's it's kind of a weird it's it's a weird spiral, but. Uh, you know, but it, it, my point was, yes, yeah, it's the market. You know, how much the market will bear. Well, we'll charge say hundred bucks for this battery. The competition up the road charges two hundred bucks for the same battery. Yeah, people will go there and buy it straight up, and but they come down to me and save a hundred bucks already. <laughs> but obviously, they'll pay the extra hundred bucks because if they didn't, they wouldn't be selling it for an extra hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's. I, it, it's it's a weird it's a weird um, concept to wrap your head around actually. Yeah, you can keep business stuff. I'll keep you out of it. I honestly, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's if if you're not a fan of sleeping and you love stress, yep. owning a business is great. Great. <laughs> if you don't like money, open a business. Yeah, if you don't want, don't ever want to have any money. You don't no want free to time. sleep. No free time. You you love stress. You love high pressure situations. You love always worrying about if you're going to be able to open the shop next week. Yeah. Then then the government shuts you down. <laughs> <laughs> the government shuts you down. Says no businesses for a couple of weeks. Thanks. Yeah. Well, there's that too. Luckily, we always don't care about that. <laughs> what are they going to do? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But speaking of NBN, mm. uh, under an Australian government, uh, one of blah, 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 I'll start at the start of the story. Um, the, one of the original problems is there's no sensible way to get all of the network on some form of parity. Uh, while built-up areas cross their collective fingers and hope their name appears on a suburb to get the fibre to the node upgrades, uh, there remains parts of NBN remit on fixed wireless and satellite services. And for these people, the absolute theoretical best is 50 meg per second. But practical baseline is 25 meg per second. So disappointing, so disappointing was the NBN satellite service in the early years that Labor, the party that purchased the satellites when it created the NBN, called for a review of their technology in 2017. They ordered 10-year-old technology when they ordered it. Anyway, <laughs> the state of rural and regional connectivity, along with increases in data consumption being reflected across the country, was discussed at the Regional Telecommunications Review published on Monday that was completed by a committee chaired by former Nationals MP and Shadow Regional Communications Minister Luke Hartsolker. Hartsolker. Yeah, let's see how that. <laughs> With the announcement of further fixed line upgrades to address future demand, the, the demarcation between those in the NBN fixed line footprint and those outside threatens to compound existing digital divides <clears throat> unless more is done for users of the NBN, fixed wireless and satellite networks. Those on satellite connections, uh, the report said, felt restricted due to the usage of peak and off-peak data quotas. And users were hesitant to voice services, uh, for voice services, 
electricity supply due to the latency issues. Uh, and weather events such as rain fade or heavy cloud providing less resilience than current copper-based land lines. Not that the report for much for copper was much more positive. Copper and other networks used to provide landline services to the regions are deteriorating and not enough is being done under the existing consumer safeguard framework to ensure that they are appropriately maintained to the standards expected by regional users. The report called for um, obligations on Telstra to prevent copper faults rather than remitting them rather than what is that word rather than fixing them after they happen (laughs) (laughs) as well as annual report on the telco's maintenance program as part of the USA obligations regional rural and remote customers would be better serviced by regular regime of repairs and maintenance which instead of applying individual rebates or compensation is enforced across the technologies in which use a significant escalating penalties to make sure providers are encouraged to actively prevent, identify, and resolve network faults. The report called for the NBN to shift satellite users onto fixed wireless where it could, although that technology had its own problems as well, particularly in the speeds off of the users. NBN Co has a minimum six megabit busy megabits per second busy hour performance target. This is too low to meet the reasonable expectations of consumers, the report said. Any standard imposed by SIPs, statutory infrastructure providers, should mandate the busy hour speed target for both downloads and uploads to ensure services are meeting demand during the periods of heavy use. In recent releases of statistics on fixed wireless performance, the ACC, ACCC, um, those on the supposed 2550 down and 520 up fixed wireless plan have been shown to be barely able to crack 6 meg for upload. While we're we suggest six meg target and other speed targets need to be significantly strengthened as demand continues to increase and pressure the network. NBNCO has recently f- introduced fixed wireless plus, which is delivering increased download speeds on the network. However, the committee has just heard that upload speeds on these plans have been reduced from an initial 20 to just 10. This is insufficient for many of the activities higher bandwidth users are looking for the service for. Um, addressing mobile communications, the committee is in line with recent ACCC calls for telco mobile coverage measurement standard. At the heart of the problem is telco's interpreting record-keeping rules over coverage in different ways. Optus and TPG mostly do it with predicted outdoor coverage on a standard handset, while Telstra predicts coverage based on having an external antenna. Much of the coverage information available to consumers uses either predictive assumptions which do not reflect lived experience or inconsistent terminology which makes it difficult to compare competing service offerings. Consumers, businesses, and policymakers need to be able to access accurate and granular cover information. Um, so basically, yeah, <clears throat> the ACCC and the whatever rural telecommunications, whatever it was, um, are basically saying, you know, this isn't acceptable. No. Um, you can have really laggy and buggy and inconsistent satellite, which might be a little bit quicker than fixed wireless, but probably not. You have fixed wireless, which is really, really slow, but at least it's fairly stable most of the time, unless the network's busy, in which case it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Or you can have the the high-speed fixed wireless, which isn't actually really high-speed. It's what our normal one should be, but we're going to charge you more for the privilege anyway. (laughs) Damn. So, yeah. And I get what they're saying with the coverage maps. Like, you look at the coverage map for where we are here, and uh, Vodafone, Optus, Telstra, they all cover this area, apparently. But there's 
a tower 500 metres that way and there's another tower 500 metres that way and another tower 500 metres that way. And the problem is, one's a Telstra tower, one's an Optus tower, and one's a Vodafone tower. And they argue with each other. And you can turn, you can literally stand in one spot and turn around and you lose signal. Oh, jeez. Like, <laughs> some days when it's good, it's it's fine. And then other days, it's absolutely horrendous. You might get, probably not even, some days you won't even get 4G. You'll get 3G occasionally and even 2G sometimes. Wow. Um, terrible. And then you move literally three inches this way and you get perfect signal. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's... It's so bad. And places where you expect a good signal, like the middle of town, yep. it's actually really bad. Oh. Um, there's no signal at all in the, in the shop, in the, in the Drakes. Yep. You're lucky if, uh, on a good day, you can send a text message. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. Um, but, like, their coverage, according to their maps and everything, because they've got towers here. That's good enough. The coverage maps say that you've got perfect coverage for 20Ks in each direction, which you don't. No. <laughs> but because they used, as I said, they use the theoretical mapping. Yeah. It doesn't take into consideration interference or terrain. Yeah. Um, in theory, yes, I have perfect coverage here. In yeah. reality, <laughs> something different. But the thing is, it's not like, People go, oh, you should have gone with Telstra because Telstra's better. It's like, well, not here it's not because of the way the towers are fighting each other all the time. Instead of... And I don't know why they did it. That They've got one tower that's on top of the, the biggest hill here, which was the original Telstra tower. And it had heaps of room on it. They only had a couple of... Um, a couple of aerials on it for, for Telstra. Instead of Optus and Vodafone putting their stuff on that tower, Optus put a tower at the back of the golf course, which is over there, and Vodafone put a tower at the back of the pool, which is over there. So they've all got separate towers. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do that, shouldn't you have put three towers up and had all three providers on all three towers? That would make sense. (laughs) They're not known for making sense. No, but it's so frustrating because, like, you, um, any of the rural around here, like, normally, yeah, you'd go Telstra's the best for rural areas because they've got better coverage, but it's something to do with the way they've got the tower set up here that doesn't matter who you're with, you just get garbage signal, even with an external aerial. It's actually a big problem for the, um, a lot of the, um, CFA, the, the, um, rural fire brigade and stuff like that they have a lot of issues with it because and even the ambulance do as well because they actually um they got really interesting walkie-talkies of the their communications devices are really interesting they don't just work like a mobile phone they don't they they kind of work a combination between a cb a microwave transmitter receiver and a mobile phone uh-huh. They'll send signal down the anything that's available to them. So, if they've got a, a phone, a mobile phone tower, they'll send signal down that. If there's nearby power lines, they'll send the signal down that. If there's nearby phone lines, they'll send the signal down there. So they have multiple ways of getting the signal 
delivered and received for their for their communications. It's a really interesting concept. But in their vehicles, they have a normal a normal um, like car phone and yep. a normal UHF. And um, they have a lot of troubles here with communications, and they put it down to the way the towers are set up. Like once they they've got massive big black spots as soon as they go a couple of k's out the road and they shouldn't they should have perfect coverage everywhere yep um but they just have huge coverage issues here and nobody really knows why it's just like it's a black hole for for wireless it's even radio like you drive out of town the radio drops out it's a bermuda triangle <laughs> it's it's bizarre nobody really knows what's <laughs> causing it but i reckon it's the way they've got the towers configured that they're just so close to each other they're creating their own interference yeah because they're That's only right. maybe a k, or probably not even, probably less than a k away from each other in a in a triangle shape. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Crazy, but yeah. So the idea is that they're going to try and standardise the way that they're measuring all their things, and they're going to make it so. Well, what we're talking about before, they're going to try and stop the overselling on on lines, but they're going to try and make people like Telstra, who are supposed to be supporting the existing copper infrastructure, they're going to make them liable. Instead of just going, oh, look, it went down. Sorry, here's yeah. five bucks back. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to actually make them liable for preventative maintenance that they, they haven't done. Instead of waiting till something fails, they know that that line that's running that way is 35 years old. Yeah. They need to go and check it and find out because it's probably going to break somewhere. Yeah. You know, so they need to be proactive more in their, in their approach. Sounds good. Microsoft has released a substantial feature update to its Windows 11 operating system, bringing, among other things, support for Google Android apps to a general audience in the United States. The company today said the app update adds over 1,000 more apps in partnership with the Amazon App Store, available via the Microsoft Store that's built into Windows 11. Amazon App Store remains in preview form, having been tested since last year as part of Microsoft's early adopter insider program, for Windows 11. Users have already worked out how to install the Google Play Store on Windows 11, giving them a greater selection of apps than Amazon provides. Sticking with Amazon App Store, North American users have access to popular apps like the Kindle e-reader, Audible and Subway Surfers, which Microsoft says integrates naturally with Windows input and windowing experiences. Microsoft also introduced taskbar application launcher improvements with the Windows 11 update and redesigned media player and notepad apps that add user requested features such as improved accessibility and multiple undo levels. So you need an app for your app to run your app? Yep. <laughs> Yo dog, I heard you like apps, so I put an app in your app so you can app all your app. Mm, pretty much. <laughs> Well, I mean, people have been sideloading it for a while, so I guess it's about time they made it official, I suppose. Yeah. There's that, what was <clears> that one you had? Blue something? Uh, blue, blue... Blue Steaks? Blue... Something like that. Blue you could keys, just run yeah. it like an Android emulator. Well, there's heaps of those for any version of Windows, but I mean, version, Windows 11 supposedly natively supported Android and Linux in general, so yeah. people have been sideloading um you know the play store and whatever on there for a while i guess having done that they're probably sideloading the android store probably the samsung store the Xiaomi <laughs> store all the different stores for all the different things um i don't know i still have I'm still not game to upgrade my computers to 11 yet well 
I mean, I'm running Linux now on, on here anyway, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. But my work computer keeps bugging me, saying, you need to upgrade Please to update. 11. I'm like, I just don't. You're on wireless, and I don't trust the wireless to work <laughs> because half the time I come in of the morning and you've lost connection anyway. Like, I just, no. <laughs> my work laptop keeps saying, OS X Monterey is out. You should upgrade. And the company's like, Please don't anyone press that button because it doesn't work with our VPN software. And you won't be able to do any work. Yeah, that'd be a problem. Okay. <laughs> Notice um, Microsoft's really enforcing the hey, you definitely need to uh, migrate your account now. Oh, no. Yeah, they're sending out emails and everything saying you've got until the end of next month, I think, to migrate your account. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Dang. I'm like, well, That'd be fine if I had access to the original emails that the accounts were opened up under. <laughs> <laughs> Can't but do it, Jake. don't. <laughs> so. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I do like that about when new Windows 11, though, the fact that it is so cross-compatible. Um, it does sort of beg the question, though, will they open up drive support and stuff like that? Like, um, like open open source drivers and stuff, mm. um, because if you're supporting open source software, for it to run natively, which is still kind of emulating, but it's kind of not as well. You really want to have access to the drivers from the like a low level load rather than just yeah. a software emulation on a driver. You'd like to be able to go, hey, I'm just going to piggyback off this driver directly rather than having to emulate the device that that driver's running and then link the emulation to another <laughs> emulated piece of hardware. Yes. <clears throat> so, we'll have to say, though, this Linux has been amazing. Like, it's so fast, so stable, so my games run so much better. Best OS ever? Didn't you say you got better uh, distance line of sight and stuff? Yeah, well, all my games, I've got them all turned up, cranked up to their maximum settings, and they're still running at high frame rates, and they're running on medium under Windows. Um, they're loading faster. There's a few little... It, usually, like one of the weird things is in OBS, which I have running just to control a few things, but in OBS, my webcam mic works, yep. but in Discord, it doesn't. Oh. Like why <laughs> using the same driver like yeah so there's a couple of weird quirks like that but for the most part it, it's so it's just been, like there's nothing i haven't been able to make happen under linux than i've had to do under windows yep um and almost everything actually i would go as far as to say everything runs faster right uh, i don't have the memory the memory leaks in chrome or in any of the browsers that you have under windows um, I can open 400 tabs and have almost zero system impact. So, Brilliant. love it. It's been good. But, uh, speaking of computers and things, hmm. most people have probably heard of Newegg to some degree. Basically, they're an online store. You can access them in Australia as well. Uh, they're computer parts, predominantly hardware components. They do sell complete systems as well. But they're known basically for the hardware components. That's that's pretty much what they're known for. Um, I don't have a specific story, but there's a lot of stuff happening on YouTube at the moment. Um, 
lots and lots of YouTubers who build systems and, and test components and things like that have been ordering off Newegg. And it's not just YouTubers. It's happened to regular people as well. But the YouTubers obviously get more airtime. Yeah. Um, and they've been receiving back. Like they've been ordering brand new, brand new parts, not discounted, not not marked down. Um, you know, been ordering brand new parts, and they've been receiving at best secondhand components. And a lot of them have been, re- have been receiving um, returned faulty components. And they know this because they've been leaving what's called the RA or return authorization, which is a tag that if you want to return something, they send you a stick, uh, send you a tag, you put it on it, has the serial number, the product name, the original purchase date, all that sort of stuff on, on there. So these people have been not only receiving opened boxes that often don't even have, you know, you order a motherboard box, you usually get a driver disc, you get a manual, you usually get the back, back plate. Um, often you'll get SATA cables or power cables, stuff like that. A lot of them have been opening the box and there's been nothing in there except the motherboard that sometimes isn't even wrapped in the in the anesthetic packaging. <laughs> and on the back of it, it's an RA sticker saying return faulty, doesn't work, blah, 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 blah. Huh. So that's not an isolated case. It's, it's happened. There's literally hundreds of cases of this on YouTube. Wow. Not to mention you look on Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I don't do Reddit, but you look on Reddit and um, places like that, and there's just page after page after page of this happening. Yep. It's only been the last six, eight weeks. Oh, okay. Um, and of course, New Eggs put out a thing saying, "Oh, we're sorry, we didn't mean for that to happen." There's been a, you know, glitch in the matrix. A, <laughs> there's been a handling error, and they were put in the wrong pile. I'm like, yeah, so I'm sure that 10,000 items were taken from the RA pile and put on the Please Sell Now pile. Accidentally. Accidentally. That's something that happens. Yeah. <laughs> but the worst part is not, okay, fine. They could have been returned and they work fine or somebody changed their mind and just wanted to send it back or in the case with Amazon, as we know, there's a thing with Amazon where you don't even have to you can cover something for 30 days and they go, no, I don't like it, I'm sending it back, you know, so... And send back is, two bricks instead. Yeah, that happens too. So there is a case to be made that a lot of the stuff that's been sent out probably actually works. Which, okay, you can kind of deal with that. But there's so much stuff that's been sent out that actually is faulty. Genuinely faulty. And some of, it to the, some of it to the point where, like... There's actually exploded caps on motherboards and there's like burn marks on memory sticks and stuff <laughs> like but obviously faulty that half a second look would have solved. Yeah. And if you pick up a box and it rattles when you pick it up, you go, I probably should look in there and just make sure it's supposed to, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. So Newegg, which is they're a huge company, like Newegg's been around for Forever. twenty years that I know of and probably longer. Yeah. Um they're a massive company. They've got warehouses all over the world. They're kind of like Amazon in some in some respects. Like they, they have massive warehouses and massive distribution centers and and they buy container loads of stock from suppliers and they often have really good prices. Yeah. But uh, this is gonna be interesting to see how they how they claw back from this one. Yeah. Uh, there's even a case of one guy who returned something obviously because it was sent out with an RA slip on it um, and another YouTuber ended up with that same <laughs> same component with the same RA authorization number on it <laughs> God. 
So it's not like it's just a one-off thing that that pile accidentally got put there. Yeah. That pile accidentally got put there. Then all the stuff that come back in continues to get put there. Yeah. You know. We still haven't discovered the fault. <laughs> so just be wary if you're ordering off Newegg or off they have a affiliate Amazon site. They have an affiliate AliExpress site. I think they have an affiliate Banggood site as well. I know they sell on eBay sometimes as well. Just be wary if you're ordering anything from Newegg. When you receive it, check okay. it out really carefully. Make sure it is what you're supposed to be getting because it's yeah been a big problem lately. And don't plug it in because it might bang at the rest of your stuff. Yeah, well, that's it. T check it first. Make sure it's new and it's sealed. And like it's easy to tell because usually the box is sealed. And then inside the box, you know, the motherboard or the component is sealed in an anesthetic bag. And then the manuals you use are sealed in a separate bag. So there's usually yeah. multiple layers of stuff being sealed. And so, if you can smell that somebody let the smoke out. Yeah, exactly. They don't work without smoke in them. Or if it rattles when you, <clears throat> when you pick it up from the post office. Um, yeah, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> if you do have anything, let us know because I'd be curious to know if it's something. I have, the one thing I, ha I have to admit. I haven't heard any reports of it happening in Australia. Ah. Um, it's not to say it hasn't. Uh, it possibly has, but we don't have the YouTube presence of England and America either, so it's kind of probably part of the reason. But if you do know of, of it happening, let us know. I'm, I'm curious to know if, if yep. it actually happened to anybody. Telstra Purple delivered a near real-time virtual race control system, which basically means their network can help to make flying cars a reality. We've been racing cars since the late 1800s. The original Grand Prix races in France raced from town to town with cars driving at a blistering average speed of about 20 kilometres an hour. We've certainly come a long way since then. From the big petrol engines of the late 1900s to the hybrid and electric formula cars we see today, motor racing has always been at the forefront of technological evolution and pushing the boundaries of what we can do in the name of speed. Airspeeder is the next evolution of this, promising flying electric cars with a revolutionary viewing experience that we're incredibly uh, Telstra is incredibly proud to be a part of. The racing series has been created by the world's only performance electrical ver electric vertical takeoff and landing eVTOL manufacturer, Alorda Aeronautics, and the historic first flights took place near Adelaide in June. Airspeeder's vision for the world's first electric flying car race, racing series has the underlying potential to transform the way we move around cities, just as Formula One has driven innovation for the cars we use today. Whether pilots are on board or flying remotely, they'll be able to fly and race closely and safely without physically touching with the near-time data and connectivity powering haptic alerts and proximity sensors. Telstra Purple developed a near real-time virtual race control system that feeds essential technical status information to the ground crews throughout races and test flights, reflecting the approach employed by leading aviation companies in augmenting and monitoring essential systems for aircraft safety. You gonna buy a flying car to fly to work? Um, so here's the thing, <laughs> the, the, the Actually, there's several issues with that. But the, the main one is everyone's like, oh, I want to buy a flying car so there's no traffic. I'm like, you now the do realize that if everybody buys a flying car, then the traffic's not going to be on the highway. You're correct. There won't be any traffic. Yeah. But about 20,000 feet up, <laughs> there will be a lot of traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not seen 
star Phantom Menace or whatever it is when they fly around the city or uh, uh, Fifth Element. Uh, Fifth Element. That's what I was going to say Sixth Sense then. But yeah, Fifth Element um, where the, you know, the, it's just cars and chaos or um Futurama. Was it Judge, Judge Dredd? <laughs> was it Judge Dredd? No, what was there was another one like that. I'm pretty sure it was a Sylvester Stallone movie, but the same thing. Yep. Or even um Yeah, Futurama's another one. Um Oh what's the one uh, the Amazon T V series um uh we uploaded. Oh yeah. Same thing. It's like they're okay, they're not flying, they're all they're but they're fully automated. And so, you know, Jetsons is another one where they get stuck in traffic all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Jetsons is like this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like it's like now. <laughs> Man, I thought it came out years ago. <laughs> it's it's so funny. Like, they got some stuff right, but... <laughs> but, yeah, so... You know, I'll, you, everybody, I'll let you guys buy flying cars... And I'll just keep my normal one, and we'll see who gets to work quicker. <laughs> well, everybody else will be up there, so you'll be the only one on the highway. That's what I mean. <laughs> <coughs> so, you know. Um, but, yeah, I, I I don't... I've seen a couple of experiments where they've done, um, like, supposed driving the vehicle from a simulator. Like, they're getting live feedback from the vehicle, and they're controlling the vehicle. And even with a direct, um, like mesh network, with a effectively a zero second or you know, fractions of a millisecond lag time, that, that they reckon that the fact that it's even a fraction of a millisecond, your body is sensitive enough to pick up on that, and it just completely screws your senses. Like you, you don't have the ability to turn before you turn if they make, if you need to turn now well you you're actually going to be turning late yeah by the time that you've sent the command to the car the car's responded and sent the command back for you know very effectively verification or to let you know that it's done it so they that's never ended well like if they're driving at you know 10 kilometers an hour around a car park it's okay yeah but as soon as you actually get some speed about it and you get and there's just so many nuances when you're driving a vehicle that you can't pick up when you're not in the vehicle, like you, 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 you don't get the mo- like if you get a strong crosswind when you're driving, you automatically steer into it because you can feel the vehicle drifting. But if you're not in the vehicle, you're not going to be aware that that's happening. No. And next thing you know, the car's going to run off the road because you've hit a strong crosswind, but you haven't had that that natural reflex that would occur if you're in the vehicle. Yeah. So. I mean, well, the concept of using uh, remote communications for things isn't new. I mean, look at um, Ron Williams' Toys movie. They're developing a remote, they're using kids basically playing arcade games, but in actual fact, they're flying real drones into real combat situations. And this game. Yeah. So it's not a, a new concept. And the irony of that is actually flying would be a better use for that because... Even if there is a slight lag time, the chances of you that causing an issue of you hitting something or running into something is far less because there's so much more room around you. So, actually having a little bit of a lag with a an airplane or a drone or whatever isn't actually 
generally that detrimental. Possibly landing could be a bit of an issue, but it would all be computer-assisted anyway. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it's a... It's one of those things. It's a, it seems like a cool, cool use for technology, but how far do you sort of allow it to go before it's no longer a cool use and suddenly you're bombing half of a country somewhere? Is it um, likely to happen now or lifetime is the question? Oh, it, well, it most likely already is. Well, it already is. We know that for a fact. They have UAVs already. So it's not, you know, they're not autonomous drones. They're still being flown by pilots. Yeah. But I mean yeah. for us to buy them, general well, public. It's, it's technically possible now. I don't see why it wouldn't be. The technology that we have isn't un- unattainable now in a lot of situations. I mean, uh, <laughs> I can see where it would be an issue, you know, trying to fly um, you know, across an Nullarbor or something where there's no comms towers or there's no, you know. But if you were to stick within... you got to think about it. Anyway, like if you had, let's say, a helicopter, which would realistically or a, a VTOL, but let's say helicopters because they're really they're a more realistic use of that application. A helicopter's only got a couple of hour flight time anyway, so you, a, a standard like small thing. So you can't fly that far realistically anyway. So um, I can see where it would be handy for like a taxi service style thing hmm. with a helicopter, like Uber you, flights. Yeah, yeah. Although most angel flights and stuff are uh, remote and rural, which is part of the problem you'd have. But uh, I can see, for example, um, you know, you go to Service Paradise, you go up to the top of one of the the buildings, you jump on effectively a taxi helicopter, which might hold, say, two people, and you fly you and your mate to the Gold Coast and jump off there in a building there. Like for something like that. It'd be great, or even for something as simple as um, freeing up pilots, because if for the shark, uh, the shark Patrol. um, patrols, yep. they're taking a pilot and a co-pilot and everything to keep an eye on, you know, and just to look for a shark. Yep. And with something like that being done remotely would be perfectly fine, or a search and rescue, yep. as long as it wasn't too remote, you know. So I don't think it's I don't think it's that far away. I just don't think there's that many practical applications for it that would, the average person would have a useful, <laughs> you know, you know, it's not like you want to go to work. You're not going <laughs> to, you're not going to, you know, jump in your airplane and fly to work for the day. Could you imagine trying to find parking? Crazy. <laughs> what is it in, uh, uh, lethal weapon tool, whatever it is, when they rock up at the Playboy Mansion, is like, I get fifty cents for a car and a dollar for an SUV. What do I get for this? <laughs> Rocked up in the cement truck. <laughs> so, but um, speaking of cars, DeLorean, you know that awesome car that was in Back to the Future, and it's the car. It's one of two dream cars that I've always had for two reasons. One, it was in Back to the Future, and it's an awesome looking car. The other reason is it was built. It was predominantly produced in 1981, which is the same year I was produced. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're a DeLorean, is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. See, I can flap. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, 
<clears throat> obviously it was around, you know, it was John DeLorean started up the company in the mid to late seventies, started developing eighty, eighty one, eighty two, started actually selling cars. And then he got tied up in a drug scandal and everything went pear shaped for him and um he was basically a scapegoat for the government. And he got shut down effect. Well he didn't get shut down, people stopped buying his cars and he shut the business. So back in I wanna say like twenty fifteen ish somewhere around there um they found some some guys found a warehouse in canada that contained all original delorean parts like there was enough to build like 500 cars or something already made and all the stampings and all the molds and all the all everything was there to continue to make the deloreans so obviously they had to do a few things they had to update a few bits and pieces to bring them up to safety standards but since i, I want to say like 2015 16 17 in there somewhere they have started producing deloreans again oh. uh, new ones this time um but same principle they, you know and all that's done all all that's done is make the original deloreans worth like a hundred thousand dollars now no, oh. <laughs> you know, twenty years ago, there were even in Australia. There, I saw a few of them on trading posts back in the day when that was a thing, um, and you would see them regularly go for ten or fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, the same ones now are going for like a hundred thousand US. Wow, <laughs> nice. So they've they've increased in value somewhat, but um, what they're doing now. Is DeLorean's just come out and said that we are now going to do uh, factory electric vehicles. So they're still going to be the DeLorean, yep. but straight off the bat, they're just going to be putting a, an electric motor in them and a battery pack and 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 doing it that way. Cool. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Um, the pricing is probably going to be somewhat similar because they're taking out a motor, they're taking out the gearbox, they're taking out tail shaft they're taking out fuel tank well, there's a lot of stuff they don't need and they're putting a battery pack and the motor in the speed controller so the prices aren't going to be too different um the performance of the electric one will be vastly improved on on the standard one because it's just a more powerful engine and that's going to end up being a lighter vehicle yep um now part of that is um because the states has gone mental and every car manufacturer that sells more than X amount of cars. So it doesn't work for like boutique cars um, that sell less than, I don't know what their cutoff is, but less than X amount of cars per year, you don't need to have a zero emission program. But if you sell more than an X amount of cars, you do have to have a zero emission program. Right. Or DeLorean last year, um, sold like three more cars than that cut off. <laughs> but now they've got to have a zero emissions program. They're like, okay, well, something they're going to do anyway. They just push their programming forward a bit. Yep. Um, <clears throat> uh, and um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so they've done that. They've, the other part of the reason they've done it is that there's a lot of people out there who are converting because. By now, the original 1981 DeLorean, the drive, the me- mechanically the cars are shot. They were, weren't the best drive lines 
in the first place and after 40 years they're, they're done so they're either paying 10 15 20 grand to rebuild the engines and gearboxes and drive lines in these things or they're paying 10 15 20 grand to do an electric conversion to the vehicle anyway mm. um you might as well and so there there's a lot of electric conversions happening with the DeLoreans anyway so they're like well so much of the infrastructure is already there so many people have got it perfected now there's actually a company in the states that that's literally all they do is they electrify vehicles specifically well one of their main vehicles they do is delorean so they actually have a package deal you can go and buy and fit it yourself if you want um but they're like okay the infrastructure is there we know what works we know what doesn't we just need to refine it a bit to make it suitable for factory production um and we'll sell and they've already i think originally they they had done um oh, it's 500 cars or something originally was what they're going to do and they like they actually aired an ad during the super bowl to say that this is what they're doing and they reckon by the time the ad finished the 30 second ad finished that oversold their pre-orders already yeah <laughs> so <laughs> everybody wants them so everybody wants them um which i don't blame i mean if you if you're even remotely familiar with the 80s back to the future I mean, it, you know it's uh unfortunately back to the future came too late for delorean for yeah. dmc um if back to the future was made five years earlier it potentially would have actually saved the company from going bankrupt in the first place oh wow but uh yeah so it, it's it's one of the it's well, now it's a pipe dream. The irony is the two cars, my two dream cars that I've always wanted, one is a DeLorean and one is either an A9X or an SLI 5000 Toronto. Uh, they've gone from when I was at school and dreaming about them and always wanting them and having posters on my wall, them being a $10,000 car, they're now all in excess of $100,000. <laughs> like, seriously? I'm never going never, I'm not even... I, I don't even see him at car shows anymore, <laughs> let, alone, let alone actually um, ever having the chance of owning one. But uh, I'm like, well, now the thing is you can buy a brand new one, which is mostly the same. Uh, it, to look at it, it's exactly the same. There's a few little differences. but And it's like 60 grand or something for a new one. Uh. Um which you, is ironic because you would think that would drive the price down of the second-hand ones. But with the new ones being priced at that price, it's actually made the new ones go up in value, or the old ones go up in value because there's now, these guys not only have enough, they're not only making new cars, there's enough original OEM parts to service the five or 6,000 DeLoreans that are still on the road worldwide. So suddenly the OEM cars are actually worth money because now... They don't have to throw a, you know, Chevy diff in or whatever. They can actually buy the parts from DMC to keep their cars original. So suddenly the price has just gone ballistic. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, it's, it is interesting though that they've they've um, made that choice to do it to the original. Originally, they were they, they were talking about it. I think when they were originally planning on doing it, they weren't going to use the DeLorean as it stands they were going to use a, a different vehicle as their electric vehicle but obviously the people have spoken and public pre- public peer pressure got the better of them yeah 
And um, they're like, well, we've got the car here. We'll just go with it. <laughs> go with that, you know. And thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and Coffee. Email us, Will or Warlock, at aussietechheads.com.au and go to aussietechradio.com 24-7 playback of tech-related shows. See you next time. Bye. Bye.